Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the podcast, The Unchangeable Truth, as we listen today to Pastor Stephen's sermon coming out of Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 27, and it's titled, The Spirit Groans. If you have a Bible today, go to Romans 8. Romans 8, you're going you're gonna to find this hard to believe. We're dealing with two verses of Scripture, 26 and 27. This goes hand in hand with what we dealt with last week. And it all centers around one word, groan. Groan. I, I would not have picked probably these two verses and say, I'm just going to preach on them. But as we systematically walk through the book of Romans, this is our 31st week and, uh, and we've, we've still got about that or a little more before we finish. Uh, this series entitled, A Life Transformation. A Life Transformation. And if you've been here, you know, we've been saying the guy who wrote, who wrote Romans, Paul, uh, boy, he, he was a perfect poster child for a life transformation. And uh, the Lord got a hold of him, and he completely became a different individual. Uh, now... If you'll remember, I challenged you guys when we started Romans 8 to do what? To memorize the entire chapter. We're halfway done. So you've memorized half of it, right? Right? Okay. A little behind, maybe? Some of you not yet even got started. You're going to wait and memorize all of it the last week, right? Uh, but yeah, do that. Do that, guys. Seriously, uh, maybe you're, you're one of those that says, I can't memorize Scripture. I'm just not good. Make it a matter of prayer. God, help me to memorize Scripture. I want to hide His Word in my heart, and I can't think of a greater chapter to memorize than Romans 8. And so, uh, you know, do it just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. I promise you, when it's all said and done, you're not going to be upset that you memorized Scripture. So, uh, so help us with that, okay? And just to make sure that we're holding everybody accountable, next Sunday we'll go individual to individual and figure out how much you've got. No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that, okay? All right. But we're in Romans 8, and um, it's kind of interesting. I was, uh, I was reading an article this week. Well, it was kind of an advertisement. It was an email uh, article, and I receive things like this from time to time, but an email article, and here's... Here's what the title of the email was, and it kind of perked my interest, but it was, What the Church Needs Today. And I always find that interesting, because usually folks who write those articles, <laughs> they, they, they're not a part of church leadership or anything like that. And so I opened it up, and just kind of to summarize uh, what the article said on what the church needs today is basically... Uh, we need uh, up-to-date marketing, and we need better technology. That that's what the church needs today. And, uh, and I would submit to you this morning, what the church needs today is not more gadgets. What the church needs today is not better technology. I would even say what the church needs today is not newer or better organizations or even more, uh, more novel methods. I would say what the church needs today, what's going to change the world, what's going to change the church, and what in essence is going to change you and I who make up the church is we need people who are mighty in prayer. That it is prayer 
That is the greatest weapon that as children of God we have. Oh, if we took seriously the call to prayer, if we really believed that prayer makes a difference, then my goodness, how things would probably be a lot different. So with that being said this morning, we're going to talk about how you and I have weaknesses when it comes to prayer. And then we're going to talk about kind of the work of the Holy Spirit in our prayer lives. Okay, look there when we were Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. He says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself uh, makes intercession for us with groanings. There's that word which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Let's stop right there. Look back with me in verse 26. Look at how he begins this. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Let's first of all look at our weaknesses in prayer. What are our weaknesses in prayer? I would say the first weakness we have is we just don't pray. And that's a weakness, isn't it? We don't pray. Uh, there was a, uh, a survey, according to Premier Christianity, that happened in 2020. Among folks who profess to be followers of Jesus Christ, that said only 38% of Christians regularly pray. Let that sink in. 38% who profess to know Christ pray regularly. And so sometimes we just don't pray. Now, we'll talk about prayer. We'll sing songs about prayer. Uh, we go to small groups that teach about prayer. And we attend worship services where we preach about prayer. And we know that prayer, as we've already said, prayer is the greatest weapon a born-again believer has. And yet we still do not pray. That's a weakness. But going with that, we have the weakness of we don't know, understand how to pray. We just don't know how. Luke 11, 1 tells us the story that uh, one of the disciples of Jesus, he turns to him and he, uh, he, 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 makes, he makes a request. Lord, teach us to pray. Now stop, if you were walking with Jesus in the flesh, right? He's here in the flesh. We know he's in this building, right? Because he walked in with you if you have a relationship with him. But when we, let's say that you were there and he was in the flesh and you could ask him anything in the world, you could make any request, Lord, teach us to pray. They didn't say, hey, Lord, teach us how to heal. They didn't say, hey, Lord, teach us how to preach. Hey, Lord, teach us some good organization because we think we might need something along those lines. No, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. I'm just saying today, if you really want to become an effective prayer warrior, if you're like, I just don't understand how to pray, that's a weakness that I have. If you'll just ask God, he'll teach you how to pray. Verse 26 says, the problem is we don't know what we ought to pray, pray for. 
Well, we know this. We know that we're to pray in the name of Jesus. We know that we're to pray believing. We know that we are to pray uh, in accordance to his will. We are to pray uh, in the word of God as the word of God is abiding in us. We understand all of those things. And yet, how many of you have ever had this problem? You go to the Lord and you want to pray about some pressing issue that is in your life or some pressing issue that is in the life of someone that you love love and you get on your knees and you just don't know what to say you don't know what to pray am i the only one that's ever been there a few of you maybe because if none of y'all been there i just need to pray and we'll go home right now a couple of you maybe okay thank you i appreciate it frees me up to finish what i started this morning you don't know what god's will is in a particular instance what, what, what happens? And so that's kind of where you're like, God, I don't know what your will is. Now the truth is, sometimes we ask for things that are not God's will, don't we? Any of you guys ever been guilty of this, maybe when you were younger? And your prayer was like this, Oh God, I really want to marry that guy right there. He would be so good. We're in love. Or... God, that girl right there, that's who I need to marry. I, I know that we would be great together. And then God didn't answer that prayer. And maybe you're like, well, God, maybe you didn't hear me. I, I said we'd be great together. And then what happens? A little bit of time passes by, right? And some of you can identify with that great theologian, Garth Brooks. You ran into her at the high school football game. And you're like, thank you, Lord. That <laughs> you didn't answer that. Well, he answered it. He just said no. Now, so, so sometimes we don't pray according to God's will. Sometimes we ask for things that, well, really, God does not want us to have. We ask for the wrong thing. It's like the guy that was talking to God one day and he said this. He said, God, you are such an awesome God. God, how much is a million years to you? God said, oh, my son, a million years to me is just like one second. And he said, okay, all right. Well, God, God, I got a question. What's a million dollars like to you? And he said, oh, my son, a million dollars is like one penny. And he said, okay, God, would you give me one penny? <laughs> and God said, sure, my son, in one second. <laughs> I know you try not to think when you come in here. Here's the problem. How do you know what God's will is? So let's just say that we deal with the first one. We're going to pray, right? Maybe if you're like, well, I pray that, you know, I'm asking for God to help me have a heart of prayer. And now I'm praying and I just don't know what to pray for. I want to pray in accordance to his will. What do I do? Well, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And so, not only do we see the weakness of our prayer, but then secondly, and this is the most of what he talks about, we see the work of the Spirit in our prayer. And there are two things in this passage of Scripture that he tells us the Holy Spirit does when it comes to our prayer lives. First of all, he increases our intensity to pray. The word in verse 26 is that word again. It's the word groaning. 
Again, it's speaking of an intensity. Some of you guys are really intense in a lot of different things. You're intense when it comes to your ball team. You're intense when it comes to your hobby. You're intense when it comes to your grandbabies. My goodness, some of you are over the top when it comes to your grandbabies. It's that word, it's intensity. And unfortunately, a lot of us, we don't really think of intensity when it comes to prayer. We place much more importance on elegance. We want to sound elegant when we pray. We, we want to sound real spiritual when we pray. You, you, you ever been there when somebody has been asked to, 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 to maybe pray out loud and... Um, Jennifer, I think your hair was stuck to my sweater. <laughs> Jennifer, my girls will come in my office and they will use my hairbrush. And, no smart aleck comments. <laughs> no. Yeah, there's some Old Testament scripture about people making fun of a bald-headed preacher. <laughs> They'll use my hairbrush and, uh, and then I'll, you know, I'll take it and run it through. And... Uh, <laughs> And then I'll come out and I've got hair hanging off my head. Um, you, ever, you ever been around when somebody is praying out loud and honestly it sounds like they swallowed a communion table? Oh, like they, go, they change personas? Like, like, like even their voice changes and you're like, who is that? And oh, dear God. Uh, and I don't, I don't know what it is. They're just praying so eloquently and elegantly. And sometimes you wonder, hey, who are they praying to be heard by? By man or by God? I heard a preacher say one time this. Matter of fact, I heard him say it about, a, about an hour and a half ago. He said that the best prayers are the simplest, and they're the shortest, and they're the most heartfelt prayers. They don't have to be eloquent. I'll give you an example in Scripture. Simon Peter. He, you'd think he, he's a pretty good prayer, right? Wouldn't you think that college student? Yeah. So he is there, he's walking on the water, and then all of a sudden he begins to sink. And he prayed a great prayer. It wasn't long, three words. It was very intense. Here's what he prayed. Save me, Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Straight into the point. So I bet he didn't even stop. I mean, stop and think. If a preacher had been praying that prayer, it would have been so eloquent they would have drowned to death. Oh, dear Lord. We come to you this starlit night with the wind blowing and the waves and glub glub, and they would have drowned right then and there. But here he is, and, 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 and the best prayers are the, are the most heartfelt prayers. The best prayers are, are, are the shortest, simplest prayers. Because hear me, guys, this passage of Scripture is talking about prayers that don't emanate from the mouth. Hello. They don't even emanate from the mind. Now, I'm not saying that we check our brains in at the door. But these prayers emanate from the heart. From the heart. And the Holy Spirit helps that. The Holy Spirit increases our intensity to pray. I think the problem with a lot of our prayers is they are such half-hearted 
lackadaisical drubble that they don't mean anything. The book of James tells us a lot about prayer. James chapter 5, verse 16. I want you to look at this passage of Scripture. It says the effective. Now the word effective there means the persistent, right? The continual. The effective, fervent. (coughs) Excuse me. The word fervent there. (coughs) Throw me that water, babe. I mean, Brian. (laughs) Don't only call him babe. The word fervent there means burning, okay? So effective means it's persistent, it is consistent, uh, fervent, burning inside of me. It's what I think about when my mind's not naturally gravitating towards something else. It's what's there when the layers of my heart are peeled away like an onion, sticking like glue to the inside of my rib cage, right? It says the, uh, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And you say, well, well, my prayers aren't availing much. They're not accomplishing much. Check it within the two requirements that we just mentioned there in that passage of Scripture. Are you praying persistently and are you praying fervently in intensity? Are you just saying stuff? There was a lady in the first church that I was on staff at. Was in college, a little part-time gig. Cost me more in gas than what I made. But it was a great, great opportunity. Miss Lucille, what a sweet, sweet woman. She was there every time the doors were open. There weren't very many in the church. She loved Jesus. Made the best collard greens. Mm. she had a husband that was not saved he was an alcoholic his name was Fred and I'll never forget one uh, I don't know it was a wintry afternoon and Miss Lucille calls me and she says brother Stephen I need you to come to my house right now Fred's ready to get right with the Lord And so I jumped in my car and I I drove down to their house and I got out and I'm walking up and it's bitterly cold outside and walked into the house and they have that gas space heater right there and you're just like, oh my goodness, it's like an oven in this place. Fred was sitting in the back. It's a shotgun house. You country folk know what I'm talking about, don't you? He's sitting in the back of the house. He's sitting at the table And uh, if you could imagine a caricature of an alcoholic, you would see him. He looked like Otis from the Andy Griffith show. (laughs) He was sitting there, he had a t-shirt on, he had pants on, he had no shoes or socks. His face is buried in his hands, and he had a little flap of hair that's kind of hanging over the front of his hands. On the kitchen counter was lined up a bunch of whiskey bottles. And Miss Lucille said, Brother Stephen, he's ready to get right with the Lord. He's given up whiskey. Let's pour it down the drain. And so we stood there pouring whiskey down the drain of our kitchen sink. And I'll tell you what, that stuff works better than Drano. (laughs) 
Man, I'm sure it probably cleaned out everything in the world. And we poured all that down, and she said, come on, let's gather around him. Let's get, come on, let's pray. You pray, pray for him, pray that God will save him today. Pray, and I said, okay, all right. And so, so I just started praying. I said, Lord, I'm so thankful that Fred is ready to get right with you. And Lord, and she reached me, reached over and grabbed me by the arm. I never had anybody interrupt me when I was praying. And she said, come on, you can do better than that. <laughs> She said, no, come on, I mean really pray. And I didn't know really what she meant, you know, and uh, so I just prayed louder. Oh God, I'm so thankful that Fred is ready to get his life right with you. And she interrupted me again. And she said, no, I mean pray. Come on, preacher, pray. And so I got down on my knees and I'm grabbing a hold of him and I just got really intense and loud. And I'm like, oh, God, come on. God, Fred needs to be saved today. And I go through and I'm very burdened and intense in my prayer. And when I finish and say amen, I look up and she's gone. And I'm like, where is she? Well, it wasn't a big house. She had gone to the living room and was laying face down in the floor. Her nose in the shag carpet. And here's what I heard. Oh! Oh! Oh, God, save my husband! Oh, Lord, grab hold of his heart! He got saved that night. What long after that that they buried him? I believe he's in heaven right now. But I learned a lesson that day about the intensity of prayer. I learned a lesson about what it really means to pray in the groaning of the Spirit. Ever happened to you before? You've been so burdened about something in prayer, you, you can't even muster up words. All you can do is just let out a, oh, oh, let out a groan. That's what the Bible is talking about right here. The Bible says the Holy Spirit helps us with an intensity for our burden to pray. But there's something else that he does. He intercedes for us in prayer. Look at the last part of verse 26 with me this morning. It says, the Spirit makes intercession for us. And then he's like, just, I want to make sure you get it. Look at the last part of verse 27. The Spirit makes intercession for the saints according to God's will. So, so, so what that is talking about is, we need somebody to intercede between us and the Father. And if you don't know what intercede means, I'll give you a good English definition. It is a go-between. Uh, somebody who mediates between two parties, right? 
And so it's the word intercede. And for years, I would read this passage of Scripture, and I just kind of thought within myself that the intercession of the Holy Spirit in prayer was the Holy Spirit interceding on behalf of us to God the Father, that the Holy Spirit was groaning to God the Father for us. But I've come to understand that many times it's talking about how the Holy Spirit intercedes to us from the Father. The direction of the intercession is critical. Actually, church, did you know this? Did you know that as Christians we have dual intercession? We've got intercession in both directions. You stop and think about the Lord Jesus Christ. You think about our Savior. You think about the fact that He is in heaven. And He is speaking to the Father on behalf of His children. That if you know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord today, He is speaking on your behalf. It is the word advocate. That Jesus is there and He is advocating on my behalf and your behalf because we know Him as Savior. The Bible says that He is the righteous one who is our high priest. Hebrews 7 verse 25 says this about Him. He ever lives to make intercession for us. And did you know that the Bible says right now that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father and do you know what He is doing? He's interceding for you if you know Him. And He is interceding for me. That's what the Scripture is saying. The Bible says that there is a mediator between God and man. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it good to know that Jesus Christ is praying for you today? Go ahead and give Him praise and glory for the fact He's doing that for you today. I'm just saying, wouldn't it help you to know the next time you're being tempted, that Jesus is interceding on your, on your behalf. Wouldn't it help you to know the next time some old backslidden Christian just knocks the chalk out from behind you? Not here. Other churches. Wouldn't it help you to know that Jesus is talking to God the Father on your behalf? I mean, wouldn't it help you to know the next time that you find yourself discouraged... The next time you find yourself depressed, that here's Jesus, and Jesus is interceding, and He's talking to God the Father for you. The direction of the intercession Jesus is involved in is from us to the Father. The other direction is the Holy Spirit speaking to us for the Father. Do you, do you remember, the, I said a little bit earlier that one of the problems in prayer is that we don't know how to pray according to God's way and according to God's will. How is it that we determine what God's will is? One way is we read His Word. <clears throat> and you've heard me say this if you've been around here for any amount of time. God will never, ever, ever tell us to do anything that goes in contradiction to what the Word says. Okay, we know God's will is built around the Word. When we talk about the Word, we're talking about the Bible. So we clearly know that He speaks to us through the Bible. But how else can we determine how to pray according to God's will? This is how the Holy Spirit intercedes. 
The Holy Spirit will speak to us as we make ourselves uh, available and in God's Word. He speaks to us through the Father. And some of you are like, well, hang on just a second. I'm not too sure about that. I've never heard anybody say that. The Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit speaks? Absolutely He does. Without question, I can give you many examples in the Bible, but I'll give you an example in Acts chapter 10. Again, Simon Peter is there and he's had this dream and it's really, it's really causing him to really put down some prejudice that he has had. Something that he's long held to, right? Something that eh, there are some that say, hey, that's even what God wants, God's will. And God's stripping all that away from him and then all of a sudden the Spirit says to him, hey, Simon Peter, there are three men that are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs and I want you to go with them because I'm the one who sent them to you. The Holy Spirit spoke. So sometimes when we try to determine what is God's will in this matter, it is the intercession of the Holy Spirit from the Father to us that reveals what God's will is to us. I'll give you an example of groaning in the Spirit. The night before Jesus was crucified, the night that he was betrayed, he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Would you agree with me that he was totally burdened that night? Absolutely he was. He even said that my, my heart, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. He said, unto death. How burdened was Jesus that night? The Bible says that there were great drops of blood like sweat falling from his forehead. He threw himself on his face. And this is what our Lord and Savior prayed that night in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember the prayer? He said, Father, take this cup from me. Now let's put that on hold for just a moment. Was it God's will to take the cup away from Jesus? No. No. But that's what he asked for. He said, Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, thy will be done. And that's the key. And then he goes back and he finds the disciples that he left to pray and they're asleep and he's like, come on guys, get up. Can't you just, can't you stay awake for a little while? Come on, get up. Three times he says, get up and pray. Get up and pray. And during the course of making that request, what happens? The father reveals his will to Jesus. No, no, nowhere else, no longer does he say, take this cup away from me. Now he's like, I know that I am to drink the cup. I'm willing to drink the cup. In fact, later on, when Peter pulls out his sword, when they're coming to arrest Jesus, and he kind of chops that guy's ear off, if you read the account, you know that Jesus says, whoa, 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 stop it. Will I not drink the cup that the Father has prepared for me? So he came to an awareness, here's what God's will is for me, and he turned and he was ready then to face the mob that would arrest him and take him to be tortured and ultimately crucified. He was ready to face the soldiers that would gamble for his clothes and pluck the hairs of his beard out and spit on his face. And he was ready to face the cross on which he would be nailed. 
Why was he ready? He was ready because he knew the Father's will. How did he do that? With prayer. You say, well, that's Jesus. That didn't count. <laughs> I mean, he's Jesus, right? I can't identify with him. Come on, Jesus. Okay, all right. I'll give you one you can't identify with. A personal story. Many years ago, 20 years, uh, my maternal grandmother, who helped raise me, I called her, you, you've heard me, I called her mama. Uh, all of a sudden, she started developing fluid, not only on her heart, but all throughout her body. And uh, the Lord allowed me, gave me the privilege of pastoring her the last two years of her life. And uh, you, you, you think pastoring you guys is hard. The lady who raised you and changed your diapers. Well, anyway. But I can remember very clear my prayer. Lord, heal my mama. Lord, heal her. Touch her body and bring about healing. Seemed like I prayed that forever. It probably wasn't that long, a few months. But it seemed like it was a long, long time. I was praying in the name of Jesus Christ. I was abiding in God's word, which means I was spending time in God's word. God's word was abiding in me. And uh, I was praying, believing. Matter of fact, I was playing, praying, believing so much that I would close my prayers this way. And Lord, I want to thank you ahead of time for healing my mama. And I prayed fervently. I prayed persistently. And then one day in my prayer, very clearly heard the voice of the Holy Spirit speak. And here's what the Spirit said. I'm going to heal her, Stephen. I'm just not going to heal her the way you want me to heal her. I'm going to heal her permanently. Clear as day. I'm going to heal her permanently. See, she was a follower of Jesus Christ. What he was saying is, I'm going to heal her in my presence. I, I, I'm going to heal her and she'll never need healing again. And when he made that clear, my prayers changed. And my prayers were more like this. Thank you that you're going to heal her permanently. Now, Lord, I pray you'd make her pain free. I pray that you would come get her quickly. Lord, I pray she wouldn't suffer. And he was faithful. And she's healed. I, I'm just saying, guys, that that's how it happened in my own life. And that's what the Bible is talking about here when it says, do you want to know what God's will is? Do you pray in accordance with his will. So what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to, through the Holy Spirit of God, say, hey, intensify the burden of my prayer. 
And I'm going I'm to keep on asking, right? I'm going to keep on praying and I'm going to keep on asking and keep on praying. And in the process of all that, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. You say, well, will the Holy Spirit speak to me in an audible voice? He's yet to do it that way to me. It's a lot louder than an audible voice. It's in my spirit. It's in my heart. It is the spiritual intuition that the Holy Spirit gives to us as we are abiding in the Word and the Word is abiding in us. And if you want to know what it's like to pray in the Spirit, I would just say, get on your knees, ask the Holy Spirit to burden you and keep on asking and God will reveal His will to you. But my heavens, pray. I know many times people, when they are hurting or going through something, they will say, we will say to them, what, what, what is it that can I do for you? And they'll say, well, you could pray for us. And we're like, yeah, 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 I'll do that. But now what can I really do? God help us. That we quit robbing him of glory by thinking that prayer is some secondary ministry. I was thinking, how do I close this sermon? I told you, really, it should have been with last week's. The whole groaning. That would have went perfect, right? I could have just named the sermon Groan. Wouldn't that have been cool? People on our podcast would have been like, what is this about? And we would have had to call all five that listened to it and say, hey, here's what it means. No, I think there are more. I don't know. I don't keep up with that. How do you end this? And here's what I thought. You know, maybe, maybe I just give them a little look into the prayer window of my life. What is it that I pray for? Or, or what are my prayers look like right now? Uh, well, first of all, I'm praying, I'm praying for physical healing for some, for some people that are near and dear to me. And for, for people that are near and dear to some of you guys, praying that God will physically heal. Pr- praying kind of selfish. Hey, we want it, we want it here. <laughs> praying about that. Praying that if he's not going to do it here, that he would, he would be merciful. Thanking him that in Jesus we know healing will come. I get a little selfish when I think of that as well because I'm like, oh my, thank God. Thank the Lord that I'm not going to have to live with these legs and ankles any longer. Thank the Lord in heaven there'll be no calories or fat in food. And I hadn't read anything about salads in heaven, by the way. But anyway, that's the way I'm reading scripture. We'll not eat for sustenance in heaven. We'll eat for enjoyment, right? Mm. You know what else I'm praying? I'm praying for your marriages. You say, Pastor, you, you, don't, even, you don't even know me by name. It may be true, but as one who gives an account to God because you're a part of the church family that he's called me to be the under-shepherd, I pray for your marriages. I do. There are some of you that 
I call by name because I know your situation. We know the devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And he wants to start right there with your marriage and your home. And so I do. I call out and intercede on, on your behalf to the Father. You say, well, how do you know it's God's will that he heals our marriage? Because he tells us he hates divorce. I, I, I can with full confidence always make this statement. It is God's will that your marriage be healed. Because it is. I pray that some of you would jump in with two feet. Come on into the deep end of spiritual living. Pray that you'd quit uh, drinking that biblical milk and start eating a little bit of steak. For you vegans, some tofu. <laughs> no, you need to eat some steak. It's what you need to eat. It's what it's. That's what I'm praying. I'm praying. There are some of you guys that God has gifted with tremendous abilities. And you're still placing your hope in the things of this world. That if you were to die today, you know that you would go to heaven. But you know what? Let's just be honest. You're probably a little embarrassed when you got there because you've not used what he has given you for his glory. You've not matured in your faith. And that is my prayer. I pray for you. Oh, God, mature them in their faith. Oh, God, help them to be students of your word. Oh, God, help them to fall in love with Jesus on a daily basis. You say, well, how do you know that's his will? Do I need to give you a chapter and verse for that one? Pick one. Can I tell you what dictates my prayer life? What, what caused me to sleep for, I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe three hours last night? Maybe four. You've heard me say this, Saturday nights I, I'm restless. I, I, I don't sleep in the same room with Jennifer on Saturday nights because... Many years ago, just so restless. And so I hang out in a room by myself. And uh, I've got my sermon there. I've got my Bible there. And I'll study and I'll pray and I'll study and I'll pray and I'll sleep a little and I'll wake back up and it feels like there's, a, there's this huge weight just sitting on my, my chest and I just I start praying again. And here's what the prayer looks like. Oh God, there will be people tomorrow who hear my voice. May I be very clear with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, would you save them? Save them, Lord. And then I'll drift off for a little bit, and then I'll wake back up, and I'm like, oh man. We'll have one shot with some. How about save them tomorrow, Lord? Would you start right now speaking to their heart? Would you start right now convicting of sin? Oh, God, save them. You say, well, how do you know that that's God's will, that I be saved? Because the Bible says it is God's desire that all men may be saved. Now, will all men be saved? Well, we know that all men will not be saved. 
But friend, I'm telling you, you're here today, you have a great opportunity, the greatest opportunity you'll ever receive. And that is, if you'll call upon the name of Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll flat out be changed and saved and go from hell to heaven, death to life. And then I'll drift off asleep, and then I'll wake back up, and there it is again. I pray for the lost to be saved. And so there are some of you that I call you by name because I know where spiritually you are. But there's a great deal of you that I don't know you by name, but it doesn't matter. Because there's a God that loves you so much that he sent Jesus to take your place on the cross. To pay the price for your sin so that you might be here today and hear me say, He'll save you if you'll just turn to Him. Hey guys, this is Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today, Unchangeable Truth. This is a ministry of Highland Park Baptist Church in Panama City, Florida. We would love for you to visit us if you ever find yourself in the Panama City area. Our address is 2611 Highway 231 North. You can also learn more about our church and its ministry by going to our website, www.highland, and it's H-I-L-A-N-D, park.org. There you'll learn more about what we believe, what we teach, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There'll also be a sermon archive there so you can go and listen to various sermons over the last several years. As always, we would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So feel free, shoot us an email, info at highlandpark.org. If you'd like to learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow him, our prayers are that you would draw near to Christ, that this podcast would be used to point you to Jesus and to help your faith grow and your walk increase. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening.